Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Each and every week on Grant and Danny throughout the football season, Mondays at 5 o'clock, we've talked to Jay Gruden, normally breaking down the Commanders, their season long over, so we are going through the playoffs and all the way up to the Super Bowl with Jay, who joins us right now on GND on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Jay, how you been, man? Been great. How you guys been up there? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. So uh, we heard about this one property for sale. Uh, it's in Potomac. It's. It, I think. I think asking price is forty nine mil. Is Jay Gruden interested? That's a little out of my league, boss. No. <laughs> no, sir. Have you been to that house? Have you Have you dined in those? I have uh, been to that house. Yes, it's a very nice house. Did you go in the pool? I did not go to the pool. I did not. I went in there in the basement and uh, signed a contract once, and then I had a couple post season interviews or post season discussions, and that's about it. Oh, that that was the uh, end of the year. Let's break it down. Meeting house. Yeah, I had a, had a couple there. Yes, I did. Those were fun. Now, so the beginning when you get that first contract, everything's all great. You have your first interview. Was it just Dan, or who was interviewing you at that house? Uh, Dan and Bruce. Oh, Uncle Bruce, of course. Oh, How could I forget? So this was well <laughs> after Vinny Serrato like spilling chips and dip all over himself as he's interviewing people. <laughs> At Dan's house, walking around with a chip and dip stain. That's too bad you never brought your trunks and swam around in Dan's pool, Jay. Did you stay in the guest house? No, no I never stayed there. I oh, just okay. went there for a couple hours, for an hour or so, and then left. Which of the 12 car uh, spots in the garage did you use? I didn't drive. I had a driver take me there. Very oh, classy. man. Look at, Look at Jay Gruden. How about that? How about when, that? when you pulled up at the gate and the gate swung open... You were a little bit siced, weren't you? You were like, this is awesome. Yeah, it was pretty uh, intimidating, I'll tell you that. Well, because you had to do the bit, right, for security. And, uh, uh, yes, uh, Jay Gruden to see Mr. Snyder. Right? You had to do that, right? <laughs> no, they knew we were coming. The gate was open. The password was like uh, fade or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You guys are funny. The good old days. Reminiscing with our guy Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny. Uh, all right, let's start here. 
Oh, let's talk Super Bowl. We, we can work our way back from there. Uh, Eagles, Chiefs, who wins the game? I think the Eagles are going to win. I just think top to bottom of the best team in the NFL. I think if the Chiefs win it, they got to get out early and make the Chief, make the Eagles chase them. Uh, try to make Jalen Hurts play from behind and, and force them to be a one-dimensional team, but that is way easier said than done. What's the recipe for the Chiefs here? Score, score early and often. I think that's what they have to do. And uh, you know, the Chiefs, you know, surprise everybody thinks just Mahomes throws it, but they run the ball and they do some clock management stuff. They can maintain some drives and uh, convert a lot of third downs, um, so they can possess the football. And I think that's going to be the key for them to possess the football. Uh, obviously, try to get as many points as they can, but really try to keep Jalen Hurts and that offensive line off the field. Andy Reid has a chance at a second title. Yeah, he is been to Super Bowl several times now. If you go back to his time, he was in the championship game four times with the Eagles in as many years. Obviously, he's been there in Kansas City, won one, lost one. What is his scheme? It's it's He is an offensive juggernaut. It works so well, moves the ball, doesn't matter if it's Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, Donovan McNabb. How would you describe his scheme for, for a dummy? Um, well, it's multiple. You know, I think the good thing about the scheme, the West Coast scheme, so to speak, is is you get the player, the players involved, multiple players involved. And when you talk about the Chiefs, obviously Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but you look at other players that have performed, and they've had a lot of different sets and groups of receivers that have all performed at a pretty high level. They get the ball in different situations, out in space, curls, hooks, go balls, comebacks. I mean, a lot of variety of route concepts, a lot of good run concepts that they have. And obviously, great quarterback play is really a must in that offense. And they've been fortunate to have Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith and obviously Patrick Mahomes. Jay Gruden with us here on G&D. Back to the Eagles for a second, Jay. What don't they get enough credit for? Because I'm with you. I think they're the most complete team. They're the best team in the NFL. You look at every position group, there's just not really a weakness there. For you, what, what do you think that they do really well that nobody seems to pay attention to? Well, I think everything uh, they've been pretty much credited for. I mean, they're the number one seed in the NFC. Um, they missed uh, quarterback for a couple games, and they still were number one in the, in the NFC. They play great defense. They have great secondary play. They can rush the passer. They can stop the run on defense. So really, defensively, they're really not a weakness. You know, if anything, I think you got to try to run the ball against them because you can't let those pass rushers go. Uh, offensively, they run the ball effectively. Their offensive line is ginormous. Uh, they have great receiver play, two excellent receivers. They have a great tight end in Goddard. So uh, maybe the only weakness they have is really a top-tier running back with Miles Sanders and the rest of those guys have done a great job as well. So I don't really know if there's anything that been they have not been credited for doing well because they do everything well. Or did you think Jalen Hurts had this gear in him? You know what? I, I No. Not really, you know, but he hasn't had to, which is a good thing. You know, I think I saw a stat today. He's only thrown 22 passes in the second half when they're behind. I mean, that's a heck of a thing to have for wow. a quarterback to be comfortable. That's a great you know, stat. It, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So uh, the only issue you have with Jalen is can he throw the ball and bring you back from behind? But if everything's on schedule, you know, first, second, third down, uh, he can move, he can throw the ball. He's thrown great accuracy with his deep ball. Um, obviously, shoulder issues is a main concern for everybody uh, that's an Eagle fan. But he's had another extra week of rest, and I think he's going to be just fine. But he, he's proven everybody, all the naysayers, wrong. He would have been a top-five pick if he, if people knew he was this good. Jay, I was completely wrong about this, which goes in the long list of things that I was completely wrong about. But I thought the Chiefs would really miss Tyreek Hill, right? Where he, he, I think just having that big playability scares the hell out of people. It just makes it easier for everyone else to eat, and he's going to get his too. And that offense, again, just number one in the league, ho-hum. 
How have they done that? And 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 sort of write me that prescription and go back to your career coaching where you lost a number one option that kind of made things super easy and how you're still able to kind of maintain. Well, you maintain it because you have an unbelievable quarterback. I mean, this guy will make plays when there's nothing there. And that's what you have to have sometimes if you don't have that elite speed player like a Tyree Kill. Sometimes the receivers will be clamped down and the quarterback's going to have to buy time. He's going to have to buy a lot of time to get these guys open in second and third and fourth and fifth windows, and that's what he does. And then they have the best tight end in the game, and, and Travis Kelsey, and he does a lot of things uh, that opens up the playbook for the offense. He can't double them. Uh, it's very hard to cover him a man-to-man. He'll eat up zone coverages. He knows where the holes are. Patrick knows how to give him the ball. And uh, and then he gets everybody else involved as well. Jarek McKinnon has been a heck, heck of a find in the second half of the season. He's played extremely well, scored a lot of touchdowns, catches the ball. He's another great option to work on linebackers and, and find the holes in defense. I always say this, when we were good at, on offense, we had Chris Thompson as a back coming out of the backfield, and we had Jordan Reed working the inside. We were an inside-out football team. We were hard to stop, and I feel like that's what the Chiefs are. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny. Super Bowl party. Let's talk spread for a second. What are your must-have foods at a Super Bowl party or if you're getting some people to, over to the house to watch the game? I think as fatty as you can get. I don't think there's any reason to be healthy on Super Bowl Sunday. So I think any fat food at a restaurant you can get or you know, chicken wings, nachos, uh, cheese balls, cheese sticks, whatever you want to find, you got to have there. I mean, it's a Super Bowl. It's a one-day event. Uh, unfortunately, people have to work. I don't uh, on Monday, but uh, <laughs> a lot of people have to work. Um, but I think uh, food, lots of beer, and uh, have a good time. So I'm, I'm going to read some things just off of this list of some popular treats. And, and give me a yes or no if you would consume these things at a Super Bowl party. Buffalo chicken dip. Yes. Hot wings. For sure. Chili. Of course. Touchdown brat sliders. Oh, I love brats. Yes. Oh, you got- spicy brat guy or do you like kind of traditional? <laughs> I like them both. I yeah. love brats. Same. Toasted ravioli. Uh, I'd probably be out on that. Broccoli beer cheese soup. Nah, out. Okay. Um, antipasta skewers. Definitely out. That's just meat on a stick. <laughs> it smells too healthy for me. It didn't sound good. I agree. Huh. Uh, Danny, uh, you know what? My favorite meatballs. Oh, you gotta have meatballs. Let's go. You know, you're gonna you're gonna toothpick them, or you're gonna do what I do and just put them in a solo cup and then pour them in your mouth like they're a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> I want to toothpick them. Oh gosh, that's funny. I'll send you a picture on Sunday of the Paulson J. You'll you'll like what you see. So, Jay, are you going to reuse the same toothpick? If you stuff one in your mouth, are you going to use that same toothpick and grab another one? I got to. Double dip every now and then. I mean, whatever you got to do. You're not going to reach onto your plate with that toothpick. What, what about a smoky bacon wrapped around uh, one of those little Vienna sausage guys? Well, it's hard to go against bacon, so I'd probably go yes. What is, just we're off on a little bit, little tangent here. Yeah, I like this better. What's the fattest thing you've ever done? So, oh. I'll, give, I'll give you my example. I went to Chipotle, ate a burrito, chips, and guacamole. I got home, and my buddies were like, hey, we're going to Chipotle. Do you want to come? And I went, yes. And I went back and had a different burrito. So within 45 minutes, I had two burritos, chips, and two different sodas. That was the fattest thing I've ever done. What's your I'll, fattest I'll give move? you mine, too, Jay, is I was in the mood for a Wendy's burger. So I went to Wendy's and got a burger, but I don't like their fries as much as McDonald's. Then I went to McDonald's and got their fries 
with my Wendy's burger, and I had to pour out the old drink from Burger King that was in my cup holder when I got my drink. So it was just very, it was very fat for everyone involved. But what's yours? That's a good one. I think uh, <laughs> I went to Hooters with a buddy. We got the fifty wings, not twenty, not ten. We got we split fifty wings, and one of the old school wings that when they scrape them off the plate, just all the grease just falls off the plate. That's right. Yeah, and a couple of pitchers of beer and a big, huge thing of fries, and that's a lot for two people. I was uh, I felt like I, I felt like I was going to die about an hour later. Did you go? Did you pay a little extra for drums only? Or do you like the flats? No, we did them all. I like, you know, if it was a crime scene when I was done. My face was covered in muck, and it was, it was, it was disgusting. You got it, be... it was very tasty. So you're not one of those guys that's like you got the moist towelette out as you go. You'll wait till the end. You got to wait till the end. Clean up. Oh yeah, what the heck was he? You got to use like 38 towelettes. You wait till the end. See, I, I can't, Danny. You know this is about me. I can't be messy while I eat. I, I got, I go through 50 he's, paper he's, towels. He's, a, he's a little Fauntleroy over there. So dainty. It's hard to get out of your fingernails sometimes, you know? I agree. It's like eating crabs, man. It's not easy. Uh, Jay Gruden with us on Grant and Danny. All right, how about the, the, the Super Bowl characters that we'll talk about later this week? We do this all the time. Mm-hmm. What do you pick Jay for? Do you think Jay is like the, the rules guy, the experts guy, the, the yell about his bet guy? You think he's just quiet because he doesn't want anyone to think he's a, you know, he's, he's telling them what he, uh, what he knows because he's a former coach? I feel, like, I feel like he's just he's the quiet dude that eventually. He'll just burst and say, you've been wrong all night, Caleb. Okay. Everything that you've said is stupid and asinine. That's not what they're doing. Here is what they're doing. And everybody kind of claps. I'm going to say Jay has a sneaky amount of, he's the guy that, like, and I'm terrible about this now, that talks about his bet. So he's like, ah, oh, I need five more yards for the Kelsey over. And he, like, over talks about that. <laughs> Jay, what no. do you think? <laughs> no, I don't do that, no. I'm uh, probably more of the... Uh... I'm the argumentative type guy, so if they say it's a great play, I'll say it was a terrible play or whatever. So I, I, I can go either side. You nice. know what I mean? I like to bring on controversy and arguments and make people uncomfortable with, you know, some of my knowledge. I, I can go either way. That was a great throw. That was terrible defense, man. So you know, whatever. Are you, but are you? It's probably just you and your boys. Like the you got a tight knit family. Is it? Or do you guys have friends around and like neighbors? Like what kind of? In this hypothetical was, party, who are we arguing with? Well, I have some friends here. I could go to the club here uh, in Jacksonville, Atlanta Beach, and watch it. Or I was invited to a huge party. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I might stay at home. I don't know. I'll probably go to a big party, knowing me. I like the idea of Jay uh, mixing it up and just he's being the, the getting contra- after the know it all guy, contrarian basically, like the the one yeah. guy who who played high school football and was a quarterback and threw for like four touchdowns in the game, four forward passes a week. Yeah, he's like, oh, that, <laughs> they need to try. They're they're playing soft zone. They need to try to dump the ball down. And Jay's like, shut up, Frank. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what I do. Hey, one serious football question for a second. Why is it taking so long to hire coaches in a couple different places? Like, is this weird to you? Well, I think there might be some other candidates out there, maybe Philadelphia staff or Kansas City staff that could be uh, waiting to interview. Um, I don't think you want to rush into this process. I think a lot of times teams have rushed in and tried to get the hire real quick, thinking that somebody else wants them, and they really don't. I think uh, teams are – there's been a lot of money that has been spent on coaches that aren't coaching anymore that are still getting paid, and I think these owners are starting. I mean, Arizona, for instance. I mean, they, they, I mean, how much money are they in the hopper for coaches? Uh, they like to get it right and try to have a guy last for more than a year. So I think they need to take their time a little bit more often than try to make the gut check hire and, and uh, or the popular hire. What pro football talk? Or what ESPN or what these expert analysis think they should do? They should take their time and hire the guy that they want. That's the best candidate for them. 
I feel like there should be a moratorium until after the Super Bowl on anybody hiring anyone else, just to give everybody kind of the same shake and put everyone on the same calendar. Would that be a good idea, or would that not fix anything? It'd be good, but there is, there is, you know, time is of the essence. You know, once the Super Bowl's over, man, free agency starts, and you got to get ready for the draft. And there's a lot of things you have to do, and you got to get your staff ready. So that's just hiring a head coach. Now the head coach has to bring his people, and that's not always easy to do. He's got to hire coordinators. He's got to hire receiver coach, tight end coach, special teams coach. And where is he going to find them all? Uh, they might already have jobs. So it's very important for these teams that need coaches to get the process moving quickly, not just for the head guy, but for all the other position coaches. What do you think about Sean Payton coming back, taking $18 million a year to coach Russell Wilson? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think uh, – I, you know, I don't know why he left New Orleans. He had a great gig in New Orleans, but obviously he had his reasons and sat out and did a excellent bang-up job at Fox. And uh, now he's going to get back in it with Russell. So, you know, I think uh, – I, I don't know what to think of that, really. I think he'll do fine over there. But, you know, that's a tough situation. You don't have a lot of draft picks and your quarterback's struggling. Um, you know, we'll see how much of a genius he is when it's all said and done. There's not really a lot known about coaching salaries. Like, we always see – hey, you got a five-year, six-year deal. This guy gets a four-year deal, whatever it is. But, you know, I remember when John came back to coach the Raiders, it was 10 and 100, and that was like this mind-boggling deal because of the length, right? But to see right. $18 million a year floated for him, I wonder. I mean, are we at like a, a, a time now where coaches might get $20 because you're trying to pry guys away from TV deals, which are so crazy and lucrative? Yeah, I think you'll see it, no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at the money these owners have, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty billion dollars. I mean, they they can afford it, and and they're making a lot of money with what they're doing, and uh, they want to pay the right guy, and they want to win. They're competitive guys, you know. Believe it or not, they may not know a whole lot about football, but they know a lot about money, and they know how to spend it, and they know they want to win, and they want to compete, and they want to beat these other owners across the league. So, I think uh, to get the guy that they want, they'll be willing to pay. So, you know, I mean, the money is obviously a great reason to do stuff if you're Sean Payton. I, I totally understand being motivated by that. I don't begrudge it. But they're, they're not getting out of that Russell Wilson deal, Jay. There's got to be some confidence that in Sean Payton's mind that he could do something with Wilson, and that would scare me to death no matter how smart I thought I was. Yeah, I think there is some uh, – he's got to be a little concerned the way he's played the last couple – not just this year at Denver. He didn't play that great in – uh, Seattle the year before uh, so I, I think there's going to be some concern there but when you're a confident coach you have a system that you really believe in um, you've had success with obviously you had Drew Brees who's pretty good he didn't have as much success with Jameis Winston and the other guys uh, obviously but um, he believes in the system he thinks he has good core skill players around him and uh, he thinks he's going to do fine how about Jeff Saturday still being one of the favorites to land the Colts job despite all the interviews yeah. they've done after he was 1-7 as an interim coach, having never coached anything above high school? Well, he probably won't demand $18 million a year, but uh, he, he'll be up there. I think, uh, you know, that's just the tough thing about these owners. They don't know a whole lot about the game. They think they do, and they, they bring these guys in, and, and uh, sometimes the comfort level they have with an individual, they feel good about. If he's a good leader of men and he hires a good offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special team coordinator – and a great staff. If all he does is give speeches and work on his game management and clock management, he can do it. I mean, he's played the game a long time. He's been in the trenches. He's a tough guy. Obviously, the players might like him, and uh, it's not a bad way to go. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Hey, if I'd have told you in 2013 that Robert Griffin would be interviewing Kirk Cousins at the Pro Bowl in 2023, 10 years later, what would you have thought? If I would have told you that, what would you have thought? Uh, 
I wouldn't have been that surprised. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Well, I'm surprised, yes. I mean, obviously, I mean, Robert had a great rookie year and all that stuff, and it's only ten, been 10 years, and uh, it's crazy. But Robert does have a gift of gab. He's a very talented uh, with the microphone, and he's good at what he does. Unfortunately, his career was cut a little short. Injuries had a major factor to do with that. Um, and I think both parties are happy right now. Yeah, I, Robert's doing great. And I should say, I, I would have thought Robert was still playing. I mean, Kirk being in the Pro Bowl wouldn't shock me, but I, I would have thought maybe they were Pro Bowl teammates. Maybe. Or like, and doing like a weird player interviews player kind of thing. Right, exactly. Th- that just yeah. was just a crazy dichotomy to look Griffin's at. Griffin's career, it was obviously injury related, but ending as quickly as it did, th- that was shocking and stunning. I mean, I never would have had that. But I also think that was more health related probably than anything else. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. What a, what a weird uh, set of circumstances so all weekend. And, and then it just culminated. I'm watching a flag football game after I'm watching water balloon tossing. And now Griffin's interviewing Cousins. And for those of us that were here in hey, 2012, it was just ever, amazing. Do you ever go outside? I have. Oh, you might want to try that instead of watching these stupid shows. <laughs> maybe maybe go on a boat. I don't know. Go fishing. Maybe go play putt-putt. Do something. It's pretty cold here, Jay, right now. Go to Top Golf. Hit some golf balls into the dang bucket. I don't know. Do something. That's a good idea. Don't actually. be watching watermelon tosses and whatever the heck you're watching. It's uh, I'm not big on physical activity. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, we'll get together. We'll go to Top Golf and we'll uh, we'll talk about the good old days sometime. Yeah. What the heck? Get outside your house a little bit. Are, are you in fun. Florida? I am. Just right. got back from the Bahamas, played some golf, and that sounds tough. What a what a different world. He's in the Bahamas in the sun. It's cold and rainy here. Listen, man. if you saved your didn't take any trips, you could pay that forty nine million bucks for the Potomac yeah, house. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't really need a big house. I'm not a big 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 house guy. I kind of like my little small place I live in. I can play golf and bounce around to you know the beach and do some fun stuff. And selfishly, here's what need. we want. Here's what we want to do. We want you to buy it as kind of like our uh, our sugar daddy or whatever because. We want to do a show from Dan's house, so we just. Oh yeah, it, no, we, I'm not going to buy that. I don't. I don't have that kind of money. Um, you can ask my brother; maybe he'll buy it. <laughs> you and John together <laughs> buy it, and then we can do a money. show from Dan's. Uh, what do they call that? The entrance, the two level entrance. The two, the split. Yeah, whatever it is, the the wrought iron, the wrought which iron leads front to door. the yeah foyer. I'll be honest with you; I don't even know where it is. I don't even remember going to that thing. It's been so long, so you know. <laughs> Wasn't that memorable, to be honest with you? We, Not for forty nine million, anyway. We appreciate the time. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll catch up with you on the other side. See, Jay. All right. Yes, sir. See you guys later. There's Jay Gruden. Always fun on Grant and Danny. I think the line that I appreciated and liked most from that convo was when he said, "When he was done eating his wings, it looked like a crime." It was scene. a crime scene. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> Five o'clock every Monday. Always worth a listen. He's always very entertaining. Uh, what? is your key to the Super Bowl. What is going to determine and decide who you pick in the Super Bowl and the outcome? We'll get into that next. Grant and Danny on Super Bowl week on The Fan. One of my X factors for the Super Bowl for the underdog Chiefs Maybe we can start the conversation there with Kansas City. We'll open up the phones. MGM National Harbor listener lines yours, 800-636-1067. We can start with the Chiefs this segment, get to the Eagles in a, a few minutes. 
X factor, what they've got to do to win. Look, they're going to be the underdogs going in. Not by a lot. It's not like it's David Goliath or anything like that. But they are not as good on paper. Not as complete a team, I guess, is the best way to say it, as Philadelphia. I'm wondering if Chris Jones can make a couple game-wrecking plays. I think, to me, that would put them over the top. I have faith in their offense. I think Mahomes is going to be healthy enough to play really well. Uh, He impressed me with his mobility, limited as it was. Going back to the AFC Championship game, think of that sprint that led to the uh, you know the personal foul, game-winning field goal. I didn't think he could move that fast, and there he was. A couple weeks later, I think he's going to be moving around just fine. Is my guess. I'm not saying he'll be a hundred percent, but I think he'll be close enough to it that you're not going to know the difference between Mahomes and the Super Bowl and what he'd be able to do if the, the high ankle sprain had never happened. Pacheco, McKinnon, rushing option will be there when they need it. It's not going to be their strength, but they can minor in that. I think they'll be able to make plays to Kelsey, so I'm I'm really not worried about the offense. It's more about stopping the run and finding a way to get to Jalen Hurts a couple times. And to me, that's where Chris Jones comes in. Their defensive tackle was 28 years old. I expect him to be number two in the Defensive Player of the Year award voting to Nick Bosa. If you go back to the AFC Championship game, he had two sacks. He had three tackles for loss. He had five hits on the quarterback. Dominated that game. He had a half dozen pressures. He was the best player on the field, in my opinion, in the AFC title game, and it's why they beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. One of those two sacks came at the end of the game when they had to get off the field, and they were able to, and they got Mahomes the football back, and he went and got some huge points. That's my X factor is that's an elite Eagles offensive line. I told you, Danny. Mm -hmm. Peter King says it's the best O-line of the 2000s, You know, maybe in, in almost a quarter century. They're really good at every position. Kelsey could be a future Hall of Famer at center. Can Chris Jones on the inside win enough times to, to get to Hurts and hit him? That's what I'm curious about. I hate what I'm about to do. I'm doing it. I can't stand it when people do this. They, they, they take these incredibly complex, nuanced, you know, these two elite teams, this Kansas City Chiefs team that's been an elite program for years since Mahomes took over, the Eagles who are so expertly built, et cetera. I think it comes down to one simple thing, and I'll do it for both sides. Pass rush. Pass rush. This game to me is about pass rush. Go back to the Super Bowl that the Chiefs got to and lost, and they were decimated. They tried to change their act since then. Remember that Tampa Bay Super Bowl they lost? 31-9. to This wasn't the Chiefs' offensive machine going back and forth and Brady and Mahomes were dueling. This was a domination by the Bucks' defense more than anything else. Tampa Bay scored on offense, did what they had to do, 31 points, whatever. Kansas City couldn't mount anything because of the constant pressure and harassment, tackles for loss. That group dominated up front. Kansas City's offensive line is better now than it was then, but they didn't face this 70-plus sack Philadelphia Eagles defense. This group is unbelievable. I think that's the prescription. I think that's the story of this game for me, is can Kansas City's offensive line hold up? Or does the Eagles' pass rush dominate this thing? We, we kind of have a non-starter type situation uh, in terms of a competitive game. Flip it. Everything you just said about Kansas City. I need some disruptive plays. Give me an easy button. Give me give me a short field a time or two. You saw when Philadelphia lost when they were at full strength. The one game, yes, it was here to Washington. They turned the ball over a bunch of times. Washington's defense, that group up front, didn't stop Philadelphia altogether. They still moved the football. You forced him into a couple turnovers. You got an easy field. That's something I think that Kansas City is going to have to do in this game. So it's Chris Jones, but it's also everybody else. You're going to have to make some big plays up front. Yeah. Frank Clark's outstanding as well. Maybe not talked about quite as much, but he's their best rusher off the edge. He's made some 
big plays this postseason as well. I do think the Chiefs' offensive line has gotten a lot better as it's the year's It's way gone better on. than it was, yeah. Totally. It's it's not like it was when they got blown out by Tampa in the game you referenced. And I do think they're underrated. Like there, There's not enough discussion about that O-line. They're not the Eagles, but they're pretty good. Philly's pass rush is better, though. Mm-hmm. I think you combat that with Andy Reid's scheme. Reid's going to get the ball out fast. Mahomes is not going to hold on to the football. It's going to be a kind of a hot passing game, right? Everything's quick and out of his hand. A lot of short, safe passes to the outside. You're going to be throwing wide receiver screens. You're going to be getting the ball to Kadarius Toney. You're going to be trying to get the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster on some of those three- and four-yard little drag routes, crossing routes, um, underneath the Travis Kelsey taking on extra attention. The plays, though, where they push the ball down the field, often to Kelsey, middle of the field in that 15- to 25-yard area, 10 to 20 yards maybe. Those are the plays generally where Mahomes has extended and created. How many of those are you going to get? You know, I think that's a big, big question I have for the Eagles defense, which had 70 sacks in the regular season because Hargrave and Cox and Sweat and uh, Reddick, who's been outstanding, and and, and now Indama Kinsu and um, Brandon Graham and the, the whole crew. If Mahomes is not able to do what he did against the Bengals late in the game, get out of the pocket, move around, now reset my feet, now throw downfield, then a lot of their big plays go away. Because you've seen this a million times like I have. Travis Kelsey's good for a 25-yard catch just about every single week. Mm -hmm. It's almost always plastered, meaning off schedule. It's almost always like I'm resetting now because Mahomes is scrambling and I'm trying to meet him toward the sideline. It's very rarely that they make their biggest plays just drawn up, schemed up. It's It's a lot of Mahomes... Being special, getting yeah. creative. If that, and I, yeah. I just wonder if the Eagles, by, by way of just pass rush, getting knowing where he's going to be, getting to him, those can, turn into throwaways can or take sacks. That away exactly. Yeah. Maybe the answer to that is just based on how he's going to feel. Because like if if they would have played the Eagles the day they played the Bengals, they would have lost by 15, 20. I think the Eagles would have just harassed and crushed Mahomes all game long. The day of the AFC Championship game, if that was the Super Bowl, uh-huh. they'd have been cooked. They would not have been able to hold up against the rush. They need Mahomes to be able to move. Yeah, he's 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 the compensator. He he's the guy that lets you overcome the loss of Tyreek Hill, Mister fifteen hundred yards, double digit touchdowns, the easy button. As Jay Gruden said with us a few moments ago, that's how you do that. That's how you compensate for it. You get a bunch of other weapons that are way lesser. Everyone from Juju Smith Schuster to not the best in um, in Kelsey, but it's about Mahomes being so special that everything else kind of gets fixed. He masks your inefficiencies. In every other place. If that's negated by that pass rush, that's why I say I think that's the story of this game is if Philadelphia does what they've done all year long and dominate up front in terms of pass rush, not the, not the run defense, that, that's that been vulnerable at times. But if that pass rush gets home, that's the game to me. Huge coaching news out of the NFL just came down. We will tell you what just happened and what it means for the vacancies still left next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Here's your NFL coaching news. So I'd said at the start of the show today, we were talking about the head coaching carousel, that I thought the Cardinals might 
hire Brian Flores. He was a finalist, right? He was a finalist. He's one of the three guys they were debating between. I, I would hire Mike Kafka. I think you can also hire Flores and feel good about it. But I thought he might get that job. He's not going to. He just accepted a job as the Vikings defensive coordinator. And so it sounds like either they made up their mind and it's not him, or at least informed him that he wouldn't be the coach. Because you're not going to take the Vikings D.C. job before you know what the Cardinals' decision is, obviously. Flores is a longtime respected defensive coach. So remember, he was the head coach in Miami for three years, uh, fell out of favor there and got fired and subsequently has sued the NFL for their hiring and practices of hiring uh, minority candidates. Uh, I think he also alleged it was him that said that uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, tried to pay him to lose. Yeah. And the league investigated that and couldn't find anything uh, or proof of it. Not yeah, to say I don't know how that happen. concluded, if I'm if I'm being truthful. Was it did, was it a resolve? They said, yeah, this didn't happen. Or was there some undisclosed fine? I don't know if they could say it didn't happen, but yeah. I, I don't think they found enough evidence to punish them for that. Gotcha. But remember, they, they did punish them for trying to uh, go get Tom Brady in a way that they weren't allowed to. That's mm-hmm. why they don't have a first-round pick this year. Uh, but he is going to be the defensive coordinator of the Vikings, who are a 13-win team that fired their D.C. after a terrible showing all season long as the worst defense in the league and in the playoffs. But remember, last year he worked for Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh's organization. Tomlin brought him in and kind of gave him a landing spot. Uh, He called plays for two years with the Patriots' defense under Bill Belichick as their linebackers coach. They didn't really give out the title for whatever reason of coordinator. But two two years, two Super Bowls. One loss where they they had the shootout game with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Then the next year in a 13-3 win where they give up three points to McVay's Rams, he was the defensive play caller that year and in that game. That guy can coach. I know that. So I, I like Brian Flores a I lot. Always have. I, I have. No, you know, so I don't know. We talk about this all the time. I would probably default towards going young genius offensive mind and sort of because that's where the league is. But put that aside a second. That guy's got a good resume. Remember, he did too well in 2019. His guys played too hard for him. They were like the the Cleveland Indians in Major League. They were not supposed. They were put together to lose. They were put together to tank. And sorry. They played too hard under Brian Flores. They they were too competitive at times. Had a winning record, ten and six and nine and eight for a Miami team that was not really prioritizing those moments. I think that dude is a really good football coach. Yeah, look, I mean, the last two years he won nineteen games. His career win loss record is twenty four and twenty five. So while I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's Vince Lombardi numbers or Vince Lombardi esque, you know, it's just funny how perception is, right? I mean, there has not been a two year span where Ron Rivera has won 19 games since 15, 16, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's including his 15 win season. I mean, you got to go back like seven years to find the last time he won that many games over a two year span, which is what happened for Flores in his final two years before he lost his job. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I think he's probably deserving of another, another opportunity and, and to the, the job that he just took with Minnesota it's a good enough job, I would say, that if he balls out, so to speak, as a coach, if they succeed, if that works, if he thrives, he's going to get a head coaching job out of this defensive coordinating gig. Might be a little bit tough, whether you think it should be or shouldn't, to jump from Steelers linebackers coach on a staff with a defensive-minded head coach mm-hmm. where you're not even the, the highest-ranking defensive assistant to back into being a head coach. But if you're the coordinator of a playoff team, and the Vikings off 13 wins this past year, there's no reason to believe they couldn't make the playoffs again next year. That's the kind of guy that gets hired, right? 
Maybe they win a playoff game or two. Their defense goes from being one of the two or three worst in football to being a top half the league group. And now you're a front runner to be a head coach a la D'Amico Ryan's that everyone's talking about going into the next hiring. Side. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, one of the, the metrics of it, of, of what you look for in a coach, is the Phil Jackson style, right? Can you take a group of mega-talented guys, get them all on the same page, and achieve with them what, what they probably should be able to do, right? Whether that's the Bulls, so I'm doing it with the Lakers. The next layer down is, can you take a, a band of miscreants, a, a group of guys that aren't particularly great together, and outkick your coverage and be better than they probably should be? That's Brian Flores to me. I mean, look at that. Again, that Miami roster in 2019 was put together to be terrible, and they were pretty competitive. Now, they got outscored. They got beat by an awful lot, but they were pretty good. The following year, they led the league in takeaways, were, t- I think, top five or six in-, in points allowed. That kept them pretty competitive in a 10-win season. They followed that up again without great defensive personnel with similar results the following year. I think they were, uh, again, top 10 in takeaways, middle of the pack in scoring defense without your premier pass rusher, defensive tackle, cornerback type combo. That's what Minnesota needs. They, they don't have great defensive personnel. They're built on offense. They need someone to make that defense okay. If they're okay, that's a good team. I'm going to say the Cardinals hire Kafka, and I still think the Colts are just going to stick with Jeff Saturday, but they have interviewed, among others, Shane Steichen, the OC with Philly, who I think is probably going to stay put rather than go there. Uh, Raheem Morris is a name to look out for. He could still get the head job. I would think, in Indianapolis, perhaps. He's been interviewing in a couple different places. Who gets those gigs, do you think? I think Biennemi gets one. I don't know which one. I'm going to I'm gonna say Indianapolis. There's not a lot of uh, noise about that. There isn't. I'm just never, in, in fact, I would say there's never been less talk about Biennemi as a head coach over the last six or seven years than right now. Here's why I'm saying that, because the hires haven't been made yet. Right? And, and he's still working. That's the only thing I can think of as to why these I two see what teams you mean. like people are waiting. They're waiting for something, and that's my only guess. For Arizona, I, I don't know. <laughs> we can take a deeper dive into those gigs next on Grant and Danny here on 1067 The Fan. Super Bowl week on GND. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 